That is so fetch. Gretchen, stop trying to make fetch happen. It's not going to happen. Hey there, welcome to another episode of Does It Hold Up? The podcast where we talk about movies released prior to 2010 to see if they hold up to today's standards. I'm Adam. And I'm Emily. And today we're going back to 2004 and we're going to become plastic. Because we're talking about... Mean Girls. Yep. A movie I've only ever seen twice, even though it's my generation. Um, This movie came out in 2004 and I graduated high school in 2003. So that would have been right. Yeah, I'm right there. This is a movie for me. And yet, I didn't watch it until about two years ago when you forced me to watch it. I I literally had to beg him. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't want to watch it. It doesn't interest me at all. And there's a good reason. And we're going to get into that right now. So this is a movie about Katie, played by Lindsay Lohan, who starts high school when she's 16 after being homeschooled her entire life because her parents are zoologists and she has lived in Africa for the last 12 years. So it's her going through high school and learning what happens. When she gets to school, teachers are mean, kids are mean. She meets two friends, Janice and Damien, who kind of take them under, take her under their wing. And then she learns about everybody else. This is where she meets the Plastics. Regina George, Gretchen Wiener, and Karen Smith. And they're the mean girls. Then they hatch a plan that they want to know more about the Mean Girls because Regina George invites Katie to hang out with them, to be one of them, and so she goes along with it. And it's, at first, they're just there to get some information and kind of laugh at the plastics behind their back, her, Janice, and Damien. But when Katie falls for a boy, Aaron Samuels, she's told she can't date him because it's Regina's ex. So she talks to him anyway and really likes him. But then Regina starts dating him again and tells some lies about Katie. So Katie's like, okay, we're done with this, blah, blah, blah. Janice says, well, let's get back at him. Let's tear down the plastics. So they set out to destroy their lives, destroy Regina's life in particular. So they start giving her these weird granola bars that make you gain weight. And then they turn Gretchen and Karen against her by putting thoughts in their head of, well, Regina never liked you anyway. She likes us better. Oh, my God. And she becomes, Katie becomes a plastic herself. She kind of takes Regina George's spot as she's ruining Regina's life. But she doesn't realize it, obviously. She thinks it's all just part of the game. But really, she's another plastic. She's just as mean, just as cool. And that's why she loses her friends, loses Aaron after they, they're not really dating, but they like each other, I guess. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But they don't date because he doesn't like that she's turned into the new Regina. And then basically we get to the end. They release this burn book that has like all these rumors about people and all these mean things written in it. The whole school erupts into a big riot and fight. They have a come to Jesus moment, the whole school. Katie joins the mathletes to make up for it. Then she gives this heartwarming speech at the spring fling dance. Everybody forgives her and everybody lives happily ever after. Or do they? Yeah, that's the general idea of this movie. We tried, this is not the first time we're recording this particular podcast because we were trying to break this movie down beat by beat and talk about it. But the problem is, this movie is a little all over the place for me. It doesn't exactly flow well. And things move too fast. Other things move too slow. Some things don't connect right away. So it was really hard to do that. So we wanted to give you guys the summation first. And now we're going to go back through and kind of give our thoughts on some of the major things that happen. First thing I want to let you know is our first fun fact. And that's... Most people don't realize that Mean Girls is based off of a book. A book by Rosalind Wiseman called Queen Bees and Wannabes, Helping Your Daughter Survive Clicks, Gossip, Boyfriends, and the New Realities of Girl World. But the funny thing is, this isn't a, this isn't a narrative book. It's just a field guide of like how to deal with things. There's no characters in it. There's no story. 
nothing. So when Tina Fey brought this to the studio, she didn't know that. She had heard about the book, the concept behind the book, and she was like, oh, that might make an interesting movie, not realizing that she'd have to write an entire story for this. But she did, and got her first and, to date, only screenplay credit in this movie. Give me some thoughts. That's insane that you got greenlit on a movie for a book that has no plot. None whatsoever. That, and... Who would want that self-help book? I mean, I guess it's for parents of teenagers, but for me, honestly, having someone tell me how to get through high school is probably the worst idea ever because there's no one right way to get through high school. No, there's absolutely no one right way. And plus, unless the person writing the book is currently in high school, writing about how she wished her parents helped her through high school, every four years... High school changes. Oh, yeah. As that freshman class becomes seniors and graduates out, that school changes with the incoming freshmen. The school's going to change its tone. It's going to change its feel. There's new people. And nobody's experience is the same. So I can't imagine this book is really all that helpful, but it sold well. So Well enough that it got a movie. like all those other self-help books, like The Secret... Where it's like, we'll tell you how to be happy. No, you won't, because it's different for everyone. Yeah. But it got a movie. The author's probably living off royalties for the rest of their life. That's fantastic. Good for them. Even though they probably shouldn't get any royalties for it, because it's It's... so loosely based. Well, you assume. I don't know how loosely it is. I've never read this Queen Bees and Wannabes, mostly because I'm not a Queen Bee, nor a Wannabe. But the main reason, I'm not a girl. Nor do you have... Children. Nor do I have girls. Yes. So, yeah. So, All right. About the movie. Yes. Give me some thoughts. When this movie came out, I absolutely adored it. I think a lot of people in our generation did. Um, it was the teen movie of the 2000s. Oh, yeah. Every, every decade has their quintessential high school film. In the 90s, it was 10 Things I Hate About You. In the 80s, it was uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Like, every decade has one. This was this one. And so everybody knew those uh, one-liners from the movie, you know. uh, On Wednesdays, we wear pink. Stop trying to make fetch happen. It's not gonna happen, you know. It was so ingrained into everyone that you almost had to like the movie. I saw this movie for the first time in, like, 2019. For the first time in my life, 2019. But I knew the movie. Yeah. I knew the lines from the movie. I quoted the movie sometimes. But I had never seen it. So it's it's strange when you have a movie like this that hits the zeitgeist at the exact right time, right place, everything to be this, like, phenomena that it became. Absolutely. So, Katie is our main character, and she is played by what I believe in 2004 was, like, peak Lindsay Lohan. She was coming off a bunch of Disney movies, and she was, like, the next Hollywood it girl. She was going to be in all the things. She was going to make all the money. She was going to be nominated for awards. She was going to sell these movies, everything. And she's she's okay in this movie. She doesn't really do anything that special. But she also doesn't do anything super wrong. No, she's she's serviceable. She does exactly what she was hired to do. Yeah. Which is crazy. Because there's so much to her character that they could have gone harder with. And they didn't. The problem is, is this character never gets redeemed. She is just a terrible person, pretty much from point A to point B. Well, no, point B to point C. End. Sure. Because point A, she's an innocent little fresh from Africa, doesn't know the workings of this world yet. I don't think she's really bad at I the guess beginning. So. But she gets corrupted pretty easily, but maybe you do. You've never been in this situation before. You just probably assume everybody's nice. Yeah, because she yeah. even says, I think Regina George is sweet yep. because she doesn't know any better. But it's just like, they're, mm, I don't know. 
something about her, like, I just, just rubs you the wrong way. Yeah. Yeah. No, Especially I get it. Especially where she gets to. Like, I'm like, I, I don't like you. Absolutely. So, she has the biggest arc, obviously. She's our, she's our protagonist. She's our main character. So, she gets the biggest arc of the whole movie. She comes in as this fresh-faced, out of Africa, never been to school, doesn't know how to interact with people, and she, she plays that really well. Comes across cute and lovable and everything. But then as she gets in with the plastics, you can see she even gets manipulated off the bat by Janice to go in, get information, talk about the plastics behind their back. And she's already kind of turning into a plastic without realizing it. Her and Janice, they're becoming like their own say, version. Talk about peer pressure. Yeah, she, oh, she gets into it the whole time. But she says, no, no, I don't want to do that. That, that sounds bad. And then Janice just keeps going at it, and she's like, okay. Yep, and then just does it. Um, so she starts spying on the plastics and feeding information to Janice, and they're laughing about it. And then they go harder, and she becomes one of the plastics as she's ruining G- Regina's life. Then she becomes the queen bee of the plastics, and then she reverts back to her sweet self, I guess, by the end. And that's her arc. My biggest problem with her arc is every single part of it is one note. At the beginning, she is one note. She is the innocent Africa girl. Then she is Janice's follower. That's all that character is at that time. Then she becomes nothing but a plastic. She's mean. She's rude. She's she's cruel. Then, by the end, she's back to her one note of like, I just want to be this simple, nice girl again. Like, there's no dimension to this character. It's not like when she's a plastic, she still has some of the sweet girl in her. When she's plastic, she's plastic. When she's a sweet girl, there's no plastic in her. Like, she doesn't know how to play variations where it still feels like this sweet girl who's pretending to be a plastic Mm-hmm. Or the plastic who's kind of realizing, oh, no, I've gone too far. Yeah, she never even has, like, that moment. That Such a letdown in this movie because our main character doesn't get a redemption. She merely shows up to a dance and goes, sorry. And everybody goes, woo, yeah, we forgive you. She doesn't earn it. Oh, yeah, no. At all. She does absolutely nothing. In fact, there's, like, no consequences for her taking uh, the blame for the burn book. Yeah, so the book they released that starts this whole big riot at the school, she takes blame for it because it got so out of hand that her teacher might go to jail for selling drugs because that was one of the rumors in the book. So she's like, oh, I have to take the blame so I can tell them it was a lie. But then she's still in school. She's not in trouble at home. She doesn't get suspended. She doesn't... Even the teacher seems cool with her, the what we can assume is the first time they talk after this, she makes a joke about, like, oh, are you coming up here because you want to buy drugs? And Katie's like, no, I want you to grade my quiz. And she's like, okay, how much trouble did you get in? And Katie says a lot. But she doesn't. There's no trouble. Literally none. Nothing. She goes to the dance. She goes with the mathlete to their competition. She, nothing happens. And she only gets in trouble with her parents for her bad grades. She's not even in trouble. She threw a house party. Doesn't get in trouble. No, they never found out about that. Nope. She becomes a plastic and she bullies people. No trouble for that. She releases the burn book. I mean, she didn't actually do it. Regina did, but she takes the blame for it. No trouble for that. She failed a few quizzes, grounded, but she doesn't even stay grounded because the mom asks the dad, like, where's Katie? And he was out. she went out. The mom's like, but she's grounded. And the dad's like, oh, does that mean she can't go out? She's at the mathlete tournament and then at the dance afterwards. Yep. She doesn't even actually get grounded. Where are the consequences in this movie? And I get it, it's the main character. But it would have shown some kind of growth had she actually gotten in trouble for everything she had done throughout the movie. It would have made her change back into, like, normal Katie so much more rewarding mm-hmm. than it was played out in this film. Because there's, there's no... She didn't earn it. She didn't earn that redemption. Not at all. Not at all. Um, But Lohan does the best she could with it. I I don't think the character was written all that well. I think she was written very one-dimensionally. And so you just do what you can. 
I mean, I know you had this issue with pretty much everyone in the film, and that might be indicative more on the writing Correct. than the actors' performances, because there's quite a few people in this movie that are normally pretty good in hey, their to roles. you. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, but pretty much everyone in this movie is one note. Oh, yeah. And I, I love Tina Fey. If you go listen to our Megamind episode, which came out last week, I talk highly about Tina Fey. I'm a huge fan of hers. I think she's in a lot of good movies. She was hilarious on SNL. But this is a poor showing. And I can understand now why this is her one and only screenplay credit. I don't think she was very good at it. And I maybe think she realized that as well. And that's why she's never gone back to it. She'll like write little skits and stuff, but she's never gone back to writing a full movie or a full TV show. Like she wrote 30 Rock. But she did that with other writers as well. It wasn't just her, where this one was her. I was going to say, she adds in, like I said, those one-liners that are wonderful, that got it so much attention. Because that's the skit comedy aspect of it. Yeah. you got to have those one-liners when you're doing a two-minute skit. But when you're doing an hour-and-a-half movie, it can't just be a bunch of two-minute skits. It has to be a thorough story. Yeah, and so it, it was just lacking that kind of dimension to the characters and even the plot that would have made this movie actually good. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it's, yeah. So Tina Fey is also in the movie. She plays Miss Norberry, mm-hmm. who is the teacher that Katie spreads the rumor about that sells drugs. Which is really weird because she's been a really nice teacher throughout the entire movie. She talks to the kids on a human level. She seems kind of cool. She wants Katie to join the mathletes because Katie's really good at math. She seems okay. But then one thing. She gives her a bad grade on a quiz. And she even tells her, listen, you did all of the equations right. All of your work is correct. But then you wrote the wrong answer. I can't give you credit for that. You wrote the wrong answer. And Katie just blows up like it's the end of the world. Well, it's because now she's being forced to face her con- the consequences of her actions of like who she has become because she is failing the class now. The whole reason that she ha- she blows up is now she has to get her parents to sign this quiz to say, hey, yeah, they know you are failing this class. And it's like, that that was you getting upset at your own doing and taking it out on someone else. Yeah, so it's just really weird. So we have some wonderful side characters, like Lizzie Kaplan plays Janice Ian, who's the girl that Katie meets on her first day of school. And Janice's best friend is Damien, played by Daniel Franzis. And they're both wonderful. They're also one note, though. Janice is the girl who's mad at Regina because Regina started a rumor back in eighth grade that she's a lesbian, Mm -hmm. but then she plays into it a whole bunch. She could have easily in the last four years probably cleared it up, told people she's not, made, you know, herself known, but she kind of gives into it a little bit. You can see that she's into the artsy thing. She dresses more, more masculine. She wears oversized clothes. Girl, you're playing into the stereotype. You're, you're kind of putting it out there that, oh yeah, no, I am. I'm not going to correct you. It's, I am. Yeah. Like, that's her one note. She's mad at Regina for something that happened four years ago that she could have owned up to and changed the narrative on, but she didn't. Yep. And then Damien is your your gay best friend. There's not much to say about him. Like, overly gay best friend. Like, that flamboyant, knew he was gay from the time he was three years old, gay, would wear a dress to the dance if he wasn't afraid the school would kick him out for it. Except for the fact that he kisses Janice in the end. Even Which though is, he regrets it immediately, but... But like, if you know you're gay, why are you, why are you kissing the girl? Of yeah. course you're not going to like it. Yeah. Yeah, super weird. But they're the best friends, but that's it. That's their notes. Yep. Damien's the gay best friend that Sassy we've seen in a hundred movies. And Janice is the bitter girl because she's not part of the popular cl- crowd. Great. One note. Whole time. Yep. But... I digress. Let's get into the plastics. Yes. Who everybody refers to them in the movie as the plastics, except for... The plastics? The plastics themselves. They never use that word, which is really interesting. Because a lot of times, like, 
movies you'll like jawbreakers and stuff like that heathers when you get those popular girls they kind of refer to themselves as what other people call them yeah this one they don't so i thought that was a nice little touch i was gonna say i appreciate it's almost like a derogatory term so it'd be weird if they used it Mm -hmm. so i like that but we get three plastics the first one is karen smith she's the lesser in the group and she's played by Amanda Seyfried, who I'm not a huge fan of, but I love her in this movie. She plays the dumb blonde so well, especially considering before this role, she had only been in TV shows. And one of those, I believe, was a soap opera. So this is her first foray into like big screen territory, actual acting stuff, and she crushes it. She, that dumb blonde she puts on is so good, and she has great lines. You know, her boobs can predict the weather. Well, they can predict when it's going to rain. Well, they can predict when it's already raining. Yeah, it's a 30% chance. 30% chance it's already raining. Yes. It's so good, though, because although she's one note, it comes across right here. Because it feels like there's depth to her. But even every layer of depth is just another layer of idiocy. Yeah. But it doesn't come across as in, like, they're making fun of her. It comes across as in, like, she is just super naive and sweet. And her world is full of rainbows and butterflies and unicorns. And anything outside of that, she doesn't get it. I was going to say, it makes her seem so pure. In her ignorance, yes. basically. She never is so over the top that it's it's ridiculous. It's never like somebody high-fives her and she stares at her hand and goes, Oh my god, what was that? Kind of level of stupid. I mean, they, there's other movies that literally do that, that kind of thing. Like, go for a high-five and like she gets high-fived in the face because she's that dumb. Yeah, too stupid to move her hand and stuff. This just plays the level of what's... Two times 48. Huh. It's cold. Numbers. Yeah, in numbers. But it, she plays it so well that I'm like, God, I just, I love you so much yeah. in this movie. Yeah. So much. And then on the other side, the number two in the plastics is Gretchen Wieners. Wieners? Wieners. Wieners, yeah. I thought that was right. Just sounded weird coming out of my mouth. Well, because you keep saying it Wiener instead of Wieners. Is, does it have an S at the end? Yeah. Okay. It could be why. Gretchen Wieners, and she's your prototypical rich girl. Her dad invented toaster strudels, so she feels like she should get away with things. She should get privilege because of that. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, she's just a follower. She ha- she doesn't have a life of her own. She doesn't have her own identity. Her identity is tied to whoever she's following at the time. And we learn about that at the end of the movie as well. And she's played by Lacey Chaber, who's just amazing in this role. You can feel, again, a character who's one note, because her one note is, I kiss Regina George's ass, and I follow her no matter what. But she does it again in layers, where it's just, you can see the little cracks of, this is her life, because she doesn't know anything else. But maybe she could. And Lacey plays it so well. And she's, her and Amanda Seyfried's Karen steal every scene they're in. They are hilarious alone. And then together in scenes, I just giggled every time they were on screen. It was always so good. Like the one very cringeworthy part at the uh, Halloween party where... Uh, Karen is waving at her cousin. Waving at a boy, Seth. Yeah. And is like, oh, he looks so cute tonight. He's such a good kisser. And then Regina, or Regina, um, Gretchen is like, that's your cousin. And she's like, yeah, but he's my first cousin. So like you have your cousin and then your first cousin and then your second cousin. And Gretchen's just like, wrong. That's, that's wrong. But then Karen looks at her and goes, that's wrong, isn't it? Ugh. And she she gives up in that moment. 
And you're giggling because it's such a dumb moment, but it's funny the way they play it. Because then, like, two seconds later, Karen's waving and takes off and goes, Hey, Seth! And goes and gets him. Yeah. And it's like, oh my god, just what is happening with these two? But they play it so well that I'm like, no, those are actual people that could exist. Yep. And it's so good. Then we go to the leader of the Plastics, Regina George, played by Rachel McAdams. Talk to me. She is to the extreme, but I liked her performance of it. I and know this is where we differ, because I did not. I know. <laughs> um, I liked it, and this could be me projecting because I've known girls like this, to where you can see them kind of scheming in their head, like how can I spin this so that I don't sound like I'm being a bee, but I'm definitely being a bee. And it, it was so good. Like, especially the one scene where she's basically dangling Aaron in front of Katie, where she's like, Katie, won't you tell him that his hair looks good pushed back? And she kind of has to give in at, at that moment. But the smug look on her face was just like, ooh, I want to punch you in the face because i've known girls like you and you are just you are a mean girl but there are times that it just it also doesn't work so for me it just doesn't work like plain and simple i think rachel mcadams is probably my least favorite part of this whole movie the when you see the smug look on her face and you see the scheming in her eyes i see blank i see an actress who may have forgotten her lines or feels uncomfortable in this role. When you look at Rachel McAdams, she was in like the notebook where she's a little mean to Noah, but that's because she's with another man and Noah can't let her go and it's just a really problematic movie. Then you see her in things like I loved her in Game Night where she's an innocent, funny, but I, sweet I forgot she was in that. <laughs> but sweet woman. She was in The Vow with Channing Tatum. She takes a lot of nice girl roles. And maybe she's just not good at the mean girl role. Being mean like that. Because I thought she was just distant. Didn't understand how she should play this part. Didn't know her next lines. Didn't come across as mean. What she said was meaner than the way she said it. And I don't think that's the way that you need to play that. That needs to be, I can say the nicest thing to you, but I say it in the way that sounds so condescending and so mean. But Regina George changes it and goes, I'm going to say the meanest thing to you, but it's in a nice way. But that's the whole point. That's literally the whole point of it, is playing it by girl rules, which means you have to play nice you have to be nice I, but you're still being i get that a, a jerk i get that so i don't think she did it that well i did no I, I just i didn't feel the malice behind anything she said i don't think she acted with malice i don't think in her eyes i ever saw the scheming that you saw i just saw the wheels turning of okay say your line okay now i say my line oh yeah touch his hair Oh, did that make you jealous? Oh my god. Okay, we're done. I didn't. I just didn't feel it from her. She was the worst part of this film for me. She brought everything down in every scene she was in. And considering she's the, the second lead of this movie with the most screen time, that hurts the movie overall when I don't get invested in what's happening. I'll let you have that opinion. I just strongly disagree. And that's fine. Absolutely. Um... You don't have to like my opinion. You don't have to agree with my opinion. That's kind of the point. It's probably why I enjoyed the movie a bit more than you did. But then we move on to a guy, Aaron Samuels, played by Jonathan Bennett, who I had the pleasure of working with back in 2016 on a small movie called Surprise Me, where he played the best friend of the main person. And... I did that before, I I worked with him before I saw this movie for the first time, and it blew my mind when I realized it was him, because he's way different in person than he is in this movie, which is just credit to him, 
but it also just could be time as well. You know, I met him 12 years after this movie came out. But it was just interesting to see him, and I think he was serviceable. He was super bland to me. Like, he's supposed to be this hunk of a guy that is so sweet, like, we want him to end up with Katie at the end, and I just don't care. He's not the most good-looking guy in the world. He's not the most interesting guy in the world. So for me, he was just bland. I get that. He definitely came across as bland, but this is the one point where I'm going to give the screenplay some credit. I think he was meant to be because he was not the heartthrob of the school. It wasn't like all the girls wanted him and he, he broke up with Regina and immediately 18 girls were, were trying to get his number and hook up with him and all this. He was never portrayed as that. He was portrayed as Regina's ex and the nice guy that Katie got a crush on. And I think that's why he came across as bland, but I think he played it really well. Because I, I, I felt that. I felt like he was just a regular guy who was trying to date the plastic girl which he probably didn't really understand most of the time but then he meets cute katie and he's just natural he's probably the most natural person in this entire movie he's the only person that comes across as a real person in this entire movie he doesn't have quippy lines he doesn't have weird things he's just a high school student that happens to be dating the popular girl in, in this entire movie, he's somebody that I would actually know in real life when I went to high school. I knew guys like that. I didn't know girls like any of the plastics or girls like Katie or Janice or he feels the most real in this movie. Yeah, and this could be just like I didn't care for him. Like he, he, he was real, but he was so boring and bland to me that I was just like, why should I care? But was he boring and bland because he was up against all the ridiculous crap going on around him? Uh, or do you think he'd be bland no matter what? I think he'd be bland no matter what. And that could be, once again, this could all be in in the screenplay, like, just he wasn't given enough to work with. Because we don't really get to hear him talk all that much. So maybe that's why. But, like, for me, he was just bland. That's fair. Um... And then we get some little uh, cameo stuff. Like Amy Poehler plays Regina George's mom. And she's just always wonderful to see. It's a very bit part, but she definitely plays that. I'm a mom who wants to be friends with my daughter's friends instead of being a mom. She wants mm-hmm. to be that teenager again. And she plays that part perfectly. It's almost to the part that it's scary. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a little unnerving. Like most things in this movie, it was taken to the extreme. Yeah. And then we have Tim Meadows, who's an SNL alum, who plays the principal, who has a crush on Tina Fey's character, the teacher, and he's just wonderful. He's rather straight-laced, but he does it in such a dry, witty way that I really enjoy him. I love the part where there's the whole riot happening in the school, and all the girls are fighting, and everything's happening, and he just smashes the fire alarm with a baseball bat that he's carrying around for some reason and then he just screams at all the girls all junior girls to the gymnasium now now and he the way he delivers his lines throughout this whole movie the way he flirts with tina fey's character love him love him could do no wrong i adored that character as well he's one of those characters that felt very real but also a little over-exaggerated for the movie. Yeah, But he, he was never a went as extreme. Cool. A little too cool for principal, but, you know. Yeah, all movies got to have that cool principal, though. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's get into the nitty-gritty of the movie. We've talked about the acting. We've talked about the screenplay. Let's get into the nitty-gritty of, like, the themes and the style and everything that happens. Okay, so I know there was one thing in this movie that you had a big problem with, and it was the pushing the boundaries of everything and taking things further than they needed to. Talk to me about that. My absolute biggest problem with this movie is the fact that everything is just taken to an extreme. Whether it be the cliques, the stereotypes, I mean, they even overly sexualized 
literally everyone in this movie. So that was one of my biggest problems with the movie is like the cliches, the clicks, the characters, all that. Like you're trying to satirize high school life, I guess. And high school movies. In high school movies. But the over-sexualization in this movie is so abundant and it's kind of disturbing. And not in a way of like, oh my God, I get what you're trying to say there. It's to the point of like, why did we go here? It's not just kind of disturbing. It's very disturbing. There's a part where, what would you say? The girl's probably seven? Yeah. Seven or eight-year-old girl, Regina George's little sister, when Katie goes over to the, her house, sees her dancing to the, the, the song that was popular at the time, uh, My Milkshake Brings All the Boys to the Yard, and they're like, It's Better Than Yours, that song. And this girl is like doing this one dance to the song throughout the whole scene, and it's just her with her hands above her head, just gyrating. It's like, this is a seven or eight-year-old girl. And mm-hmm. I get it. You look at the character that Amy Poehler plays, the mom, and you look at Regina George, and you kind of understand why this kid is doing that from from her uh, role models in her life. But it wasn't necessary. That Nobody commented on it. Nobody, it didn't add anything to the scene. We don't need those kind of things. Beyond that, there's actually another scene that gets worse with that same character is we get to see her later on and she's watching another movie and it is one of those spring break movies where all the girls just flash their boobs and she literally does it with them. But obviously she's wearing an undershirt still, but she goes, woohoo, and like lifts up her shirt. It's just like, that is not okay to be sexualizing this seven-year-old girl. Yeah, in any way, it is just not okay. Yeah, it's beyond... And again, it doesn't add anything to the movie. It doesn't add anything to the characters. Nobody comments on it. It doesn't change the perspective of anything. If this little girl wasn't in this movie, nothing changes. So why add that? Why add that? Then we get a scene, and... You know, we've all gone through high school. If you're listening to this and you're in high school, you understand what's happening. Anybody older, you've gone through high school. There's a scene early in the movie where in Katie's first day, or second day, actually, at the school, and she's in the cafeteria going to eat her food, and a guy walks up and he asks her if her muffin is buttered. Yeah. And that's obviously a euphemism. The actual line, if you need to know should be is your cherry popped and that's all the idea of losing your virginity and there's no need for that line either it's it's weird also the buttering muffin thing i've never heard before but apparently there's a whole idea in the film community that the original screenplay for this was a little bit uh more sexualized and they had to bring it back to get a PG-13 rating instead of an R rating. And this is one of the lines that got cut and restructured. So instead of saying cherry popped, it's buttered muffin. And it's just weird. He could have hit on her in any way whatsoever, but didn't need to go that far. And I feel like this movie just always goes that far. It crosses the line every chance it gets. Even when it doesn't need to, you could say something else and still get your point across. Exactly. It does that for everything. And it's just, ugh. It even hits, like, taboos of teachers having sex with students. And it's played as a joke. Yeah. So the gym teacher has been hooking up. So this is something that comes out in the burn book that they release. The gym teacher has been hooking up with these two Asian students, these Mm -hmm. two girls. And they played as a joke. When the riot breaks out in the halls... He's seen holding them back from fighting each other because apparently they're fighting over this 50-year-old, middle-aged, balding white man. Yeah. They're, they're fighting over him, which is just all sorts of creepy. And he's holding them back until Tim Meadows, the principal, comes out and tells him to let go. And then he just runs away. And then we get a comment later in the film that he's, he's, fled. he's fled. He's still on the run. So he doesn't even get consequences for what he did in this movie. I mean, what's even worse is the, the, like, two scenes we get with him prior to this moment, 
is he's the sex ed teacher. Yep. He's literally giving misinformation about sex and STDs and stuff. And that's also just unnecessary. It's wrong on like every possible level. But also, moving beyond that, because I don't want to go into any more detail on that, but people tend to forget that these are juniors in high school. Katie is 16 years old Mm -hmm. in this movie. But people talk about how hot she is, and I'm not talking about in the movie. I'm talking about outside the movie. How hot she is, people who have seen the movie, girls want to dress like the plastic, girls... These are teenagers. Oh, yeah. Underage. And why are we pushing so hard how sexualized? So there's a scene in the movie, and this goes back to the idea of that, that rumor going around that this movie almost got an R rating and they had to cut some stuff and rework some stuff to get the lesser rating so that more, it could be more widely available. And I'm going to touch upon that more in a second too. But there's a scene where Katie is throwing a house party and she walks into the bathroom and she sees Gretchen with Jason who's the guy who asked about the buttered muffin earlier. Mm -hmm. And they're kissing. And then Gretchen slaps him and his act's all weird. I guess in an early draft of the script, she was supposed to be giving him oral in that scene. That's what she was walking in on. Now, they wouldn't have showed anything, obviously. But they were supposed to, you know, mime it and everything and make it look like that's what was happening. But clearly that would give them more of an R rating. So they had to cut it to just kissing. And here's where I have a problem. If you're going to sexualize it this much, why not just go all the way? You're already pushing the boundaries of everything. Just go that step. I get it. You want to make it available to the masses. But for me, that's a problem. I don't want a 12-year-old girl or a 13-year-old girl watching this movie. Because nothing in this movie is what you should emulate in real life. And because there's very little consequences for anything that happens with any of these people, it... You it, can just do it. Yeah. You can just do it and get away with it. Be like, well, I kind of want to live like they lived. I'm just going to be like they were. Exactly. Because I'm not going to face any consequences if I do the same things, because they clearly didn't. But if you would have made this an R-rated movie and kept some of that stuff in that you wanted to keep in, it makes it less available for those kids who have to watch it when they're a little older, or maybe they have to watch it with a parent, or they have to watch it with an older... Somehow they have to watch it differently, Mm -hmm. and maybe they won't take away these weird ideas from it. Because this movie defined a generation of high schoolers, and I think it defined them in the wrong way. I... I didn't define me that way, so my high school experience was way different. Well, you're a little bit behind. Yeah. You know, you were only 11 when this movie came out. So you're a little behind when this movie would have touched upon your high school life. Mm -hmm. You would have had a different... uh, Because you went into high school... 08. 08. So you would have been going into a different generation, a new high school movie. So it's just, it's weird that this is the movie that defines a generation when it's got so many big glaring issues. Because like you said too, there's no consequences for these characters. Katie doesn't get in trouble for anything. Regina has been a bully her entire life, basically. And at the end, she ends up on the lacrosse team because her therapist is like, here's a good way to get your aggression out. And she's literally on the field hitting girls in the face with her stick. I was going to say, her comeuppance was maybe getting hit by a bus, but like then yeah, but she's completely okay accident. with it. That's not consequences. That's a freak accident. Yeah. It's not like she got in trouble. She just got hit by a bus. Yeah. So, you know, it's just weird because now all of a sudden she's like in a better place and for some reason. Then Katie doesn't get any consequences. She just goes back to being like, I have friends again. Yay. Not None of the other plastics have consequences. The parents don't get in trouble for anything. The teacher, nothing ha- Again, the gym teacher gets away with what he was doing because they make a joke about how he fled and he can't be found. Nothing of importance happens in this movie. And I don't understand why it was such a phenomenon. Other than all the quotes. You know, because literally... She doesn't go here. Works all the time in any situation. Somebody says something stupid while you're in a group and you're just like, you don't even go here. 
and it will get a laugh. Yeah. Walking around and somebody's like, that's so fetch. And you're like, oh my God, stop trying to make fetch happen. It's not going to happen. It'll get a laugh. Mm-hmm. My boobs can, pr- they say it's 30% chance it's already raining. Well, it's raining. Gets a laugh every time. I'm a guy and I've said that line and it's gotten a laugh. This movie is so quotable that I think that's one of the problems as well. People re- people think this is a good movie because of how many times they laugh about the quotes that came out of it. Oh, yeah. People aren't looking at this movie critically at all. It is definitely one of those movies where it's just you turn your brain off and just enjoy the l- laughs that you're going to get throughout. So I used to work as a store manager for a video rental place. And in our store, in all the stores, they had a section called must-see movies. And it was like the most popular movies of all times. It was Jaws, Schindler's List, Rocky, Casablanca, these classic movies. And Mean Girls was in that section. And it was rented all the time. People came in and rented that movie constantly. And this was, I'm talking this was in 2018, 2017. That's how long and how much this movie is still adored and watched. I'll admit, I still watch this movie, like, once every couple of years. Which just blows my mind. I have watched this movie twice, and as you can tell, guys, this is no big surprise. This movie clearly does not hold up for me. We're not into our final thoughts yet, but I just wanted to put that out there. Is This movie clearly does not hold up for me. He's not even able to fake it? I, I can't. Like, there are movies that I can go, I don't like it, but I can find good aspects about it. I can't find anything other than the acting. The acting in this movie is top-notch, except for Rachel McAdams. (laughs) No. No. (laughs) Everybody else in this movie, though, from the minor characters to our main character, they are stars. It's why they all went on to do a lot more stuff after this. We all know Lindsay Lohan and her whole story. Amanda Seyfried's in a ton of stuff. Rachel McAdams is in a ton of stuff. The only one that really didn't do much was Lacey Chaber, but she went and did a lot of voice work. You're watching DC movies, animated films, you're probably going to hear her voice as one of the characters. You're watching a Nickelodeon cartoon, you're probably going to hear her voice as one of the characters. She went and did that instead. Everybody did stuff, which goes to show the star power of this film. And that's the one good thing I can say about this. Because it's even the cliches are overdone. Where it's like, oh, well, I've watched other high school movies and they satirize high school and they do cliches. But they do it in a way that is smart and makes sense. This movie does it in a way they just want to be mean about it. Hey, that's where all the fat girls sit at lunch. Don't sit at that table. Oh, right next to them, though? That's the table with all the skinny girls who don't eat at all. Ha ha ha. That's a joke. Oh, look, there's the athletic Asians and the smart Asians and the nerdy Asians. We get it. Three three tables of Asians. So funny. Ha 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 ha. Oh, there's your band geeks and there's your... Too far. Not funny. Over cliched. Mm-hmm. So, I know you you don't like this movie at all. However, I want to bring up a few parts that I actually really like. Please do, because you can maybe change my mind, and I might agree with you on some of it. One of the minor things I actually really enjoy is the score. I think the plastics theme uh, is wonderful. You get that upbeatness where you're like, oh my god, they're they're so powerful when they walk, because it's always when they're walking that this theme kind of goes. And then they also have one that I kind of refer to as their mind games, where whenever they're like, I'm scheming, scheming, it's playing this song. And it just sets you in that mood every time. I am there for it. Every time I hear that music, I'm like, yes. (laughs) We're about to have some royalty walk by. You're right. The score is pretty top notch. Like, it, adds enough to the film without overpowering anything mm-hmm. but when you hear it you understand exactly what moment you're you're in yeah. watching the movie so yeah i agree i agree the score is pretty good and then my other thing which is a bigger 
aspect for it is the themes of popularity. The idea of what are you willing to do to get popularity and what are you willing to do so that you don't lose it. It is huge in the aspect of like Gretchen. You see it a lot with her and the idea of I, w I will literally be with this person I absolutely hate because it keeps me popular. What are your thoughts on that? <sighs> yes, it it does play into the idea of popularity in high school pretty good. I feel like it could be a lot better still. But I get what they were going for. Where I feel like they just miss out when it comes to that is not everyone wants to be that kind of popular. There are other forms of popular. You don't need to starve to be that mean girl. There's yeah, there's only three of them. And one of the reasons I'm bringing that up is because in a lot of high school movies, the popular people, they run the school. You'll see other people carrying their books. You'll see men fawning over them. You'll see teachers giving them good grades because they don't want to get on their bad side. The Plastics don't do any of that in this movie. It does. It just feels like they, other people say they're popular, but we don't really see it all that much. Nobody's carrying their books. Nobody's fawning over them. The, the one guy, Jason, that Gretchen wants, he's out flirting with another girl. Like, they don't show their popularity as actually having that big of effect except for one scene and i know you're dying to tell me about it <laughs> it is the scene which they're trying to mess with regina that whole like montage in which uh janice cuts off the little cuts off the cuts off two circles in her shirt right where her nipples would be yes so that her bra shows through and she kind of looks at it and goes, okay, I'll rock this. And she has the confidence to just go for it, which makes literally every girl in the school do the exact same thing to their shirts. So it's that kind of display of confidence and her popularity because of it. It shows them as influencers. Yeah. They can influence I mean, people around them. Which feels a lot more realistic than a lot of the movies that have those popular kids that everyone has to do everything for. Like, your your portrayal of popular is so unrealistic. That, is it, though? Yes. I don't know. In high school, I'm not proud of this fact, but I had a kid who wanted to be part of my group, and every day for lunch would buy me a chocolate chip cookie or a piece of pizza or a... Did it. Because that was his... Wants to be with this group, wants to be like this group, wants to... So he did things to get to be a part of it. It doesn't seem like anybody wants to be a part of the plastics. It just seems like, oh, this is what a popular thing might be, so I'll do it too. It doesn't seem like anybody actually wants to be near them. Yeah. And that's, a, that's not popularity then. If you're popular, people want to be near you. They want to be friends with you. They want to... Nothing like that happens. They want to do stuff for you. I guess, but this is... Uh, they portray it as a different way of, like, being revered, but also feared. Like, I, they, no one actually really likes them. They're kind of jerks. And everyone kind of knows it. That's why they have almost a derogatory name of the plastics. So people are like, I want to be them, but I also don't. Because they're horrible. I, I guess it just—it's weird to me. I just never—I just never felt their power or their presence enough for it to matter. Yeah. In the entire movie. I think I got that—the idea of that theme of popularity more, like specifically with Gretchen. Yes, Gretchen alone feels like she would be nothing without the plastics. It's why at the end of the movie, she actually. When we're getting the wrap-up of where everybody's at now, Regina's on the lacrosse team, like we said. Karen is now part of Katie's group, who accepts anybody. Yep. doesn't matter who they are. They have one of the guys from the Mathletes is now dating Janice. Damien's still being the sassy gay best friend. There's a girl in a wheelchair that's now part of the group. 
and Karen's braiding her hair because she just doesn't care. She just is happy to be anywhere Mm -hmm. as long as she's enjoying herself, which is what's so great about that character. But then we find out that Gretchen just went and found a new queen bee. She's now part of the Asian group Mm -hmm. with the girls who were sleeping with the gym coach, which they probably should have been in trouble for. Not sure why they're just still at the school. Yeah, I don't think they would have gotten in trouble for it. Oh, you'll still... I mean, stuff still has to happen. But it's fine. (laughs) It's fine. We're not going to go there. But she's with that, and she's following their leader now. Yeah. Fawning over her. Because she has no identity of her own. Yeah. She must latch on. So if you want to talk about just her specifically, that theme is overpowering with her. But in the rest of the movie... But you also get it with Katie. She gets that touch of popularity, and then all of a sudden she's willing to do whatever it is to keep it, including throwing a party that she didn't want to throw. But she didn't want to throw a party. She wanted to throw, like, eight people getting together in her house to hang out. She didn't even want to do that. She had to be convinced. Yeah, but there's a big difference between convincing you to invite over eight people to convincing you to have a party. It's easy to con- it's easy to go, okay, yeah, just a couple people, versus let's have a party, and then the girls turn it into a giant party. It's, it's weird. I'm just saying I saw it a lot throughout the film of the idea of popularity and what you're willing to do to keep it. See, and Katie, I see it with her. I just can't accept it with her because she doesn't understand the high school world. Remember, this is her first time ever, and this happens all in the course of, like, a half a semester only. So... She doesn't really understand that whole idea. So when she finds that popularity, yeah, of course she's going to want to hold on to it. She doesn't know any better. So I don't put her on the same level as somebody like a Gretchen, but I do get where you're going in seeing it a little bit in her. Yeah. Okay. So I didn't have a lot of fun facts for this movie, at least not any that I dropped throughout. Uh, I dropped a few. Here's two more just for fun before we go into our final thoughts. Do you know that this is actually Lindsay Lohan's first non-Disney movie? Every movie she had been in before Mean Girls was produced and distributed by Walt Disney Company. And right after this, she went and did Herbie Fully Loaded, another Disney movie. (laughs) This was like her weird foray outside of Disney, went back to him, and then she finally escaped for good and started doing other things. And that's just weird. To have been such a name actor, but really only working for one company till that point. I mean, Disney does interesting. Disney does it with a lot of their people. Is they like to hold on to them exclusively for a while. Yeah. Until basically they're done with them. Right. It's like the MCU. <laughs> I'm just gonna hire you to do ten things, and then we'll let you go do other things. Mm-hmm. And this is how you know this movie is still very popular. Do you know what October third is? The day that she tells Aaron what day it is? Yeah, so there's a scene when she's explaining how she has a crush on Aaron where it's like, on October 3rd, he asked me what day it was. And he turns around and he says, hey, what's today? And she goes, it's October 3rd. And that's it. That's the whole journal entry in her head. Yeah. But in real life, October 3rd to fans is National Mean Girls Day. They're trying to make it a thing. National Mean Girls Day. October 3rd. I did actually know this because pretty much every year on that day, you get I see a bunch posts. of stuff online, a bunch of posts on all the social media things, all about it. Being like, so did clearly, you know it's October 3rd. This movie had a very lasting impression on people. I just have a feeling it might have left the wrong impression on a lot of people. So that's it. Time to go into our, our final thoughts. Do you want to start? Sure. Go ahead. I want to start it off by saying, I love this movie. This is such a guilty pleasure movie, and it's most likely because I I was there when I hit the zeitgeist. That being said, this movie does not hold up. At all. From things just being taken to such an extreme that it is not just cringy, but downright disgusting... To language that would not even be touched today, like how many times they... They, they drop an N-word Yeah. in the movie, 
it's said in Cantonese or Mandarin. I'm, I, I don't know. I don't speak either one of those languages, so I'm not sure what one they're speaking. But it's in the subtitles. But they also say other slurs towards women in this movie, like, a lot. They say slut so much. And I know that was somewhat popular at the time. It but, was slang at the time for anything. But it it's just not anything that's done today. So for all those reasons, even though I absolutely love this movie, it does not hold up at all. I will second that. It, for me, 100% does not hold up. I fully understand why this movie is popular, why people loved it when it came out, why people maybe still love it to this day. I understand. I don't agree, but I understand. This movie doesn't hold up. I don't think this movie even held up in 2004. I feel like if I would have watched this movie in 2004, I would have been like, why did they make this? Yeah. It's just, and with every year that passes, with the way our society changes, this movie gets less and less relevant. Mm -hmm. And yet it still keep, it still keeps the same amount of popularity. It's so it's much nostalgia. Thing. Everyone's just like, because of those one-liners, because of that love for this movie, I don't think it will ever really go away. It's not something that we really should be continuing to like put out into the universe, but because it was such a defining movie for our generation that it's it's almost here to stay. <laughs> it, and yes, I, I do believe it is here to stay probably for another like 20 years and then it'll dwindle out as soon as like the next big high school movie kind of hits yeah. and can overshadow it. But for now, I mean, it is what it is, uh, but it does not hold up. Not yep. even in the slightest. No, it does not. And people don't watch it. If you've never seen it, don't watch it. You're not missing out on anything. I'm still going to watch it. <laughs> of course you are. All <laughs> right. My guilty pleasure. Yes. All right. Well, that's it for us. We're going to go off and try to make Fetch happen. Um, in it's the meantime. It's never going to happen. Keep watching movies. Bye.